For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health. Back at you with another one. I got the man, the myth, the legend, Sean Baker with me. I've been very excited to have this conversation. Um, He's come out pretty uh, outspoken recently on Twitter, and I'm really, really liking it. I uh, kind of expected the man to come out with uh, some fight, but he's fighting the good fight. Sean, how you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Good to be here. Life is good. You know, I'm happy. I've got a, I got a ribeye looking at me, waiting, waiting to eat here in a few minutes. So, I'm, 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 you know, things are good. Absolutely. Nice, nice. Well, uh, real quick, just give us a rundown on who you are and we can start getting into uh, all the different nasty stuff that uh, is facing us today. Yeah. So, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm a father, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, uh, uh, I've got four, four children, of my own, you know, I'm, I've got a, a supportive partner. Uh, I am, you know, by training, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. So I went to the traditional medical school route. Uh, I've been a lifelong athlete. I've been had the fortune to compete and win world championships and break world records in a, in a number of different sports over the years. Uh, I am an advocate for uh, nutrition and lifestyle for uh, treating disease. I'm the author of something called the carnivore diet, which is very controversial. I'm the founder of a uh, uh, tech health company that uh, uh, is uh, basically taking people and, and getting them healthy, reversing diseases, getting them off medications, which is what I think physicians should be doing in the first place. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm very critical of, uh, you know, uh, I think the healthcare industry is is broken, and I think we're seeing more and more signs of that as 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 things progress. I think more and more people are realizing that. So that's you know briefly who I am. Nice, nice. Um, I should I should I should. Let me add one more thing. I'm a military veteran. Uh, I think that has that has relevance. I, I served in two different capacities. I went, went 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 into the military and came back in a second time. The first time I was a nuclear weapons uh, launch officer, so I launched the ICBMs, and then I came back in as a trauma surgeon uh, and served, uh, you know, in civilian, you know, in stateside, but then also deployed to Afghanistan where we did some pretty interesting and crazy trauma stuff. So. So anyway, that hopefully that rounds it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a resume. Uh, what were some of your uh, records that you held as a athlete? If I remember correctly, you held one in the rowing and deadlifting. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was I was a, a decently accomplished deadlifter. I mean, I, I you know I peaked out at uh, three hundred fifty kilos, which is seven hundred and seventy two pounds. That's all done in a drug tested natural 
you know, no drug competition stuff. I um, went on to do something called the Highland Games, which is, you know, a Scottish thing that you might see at festivals, but they actually compete that pretty seriously throughout the world where you, you put on a kilt and you throw, you know, you shot, put rocks and you throw hammers and you, and you spin around and throw 56 pound weights with one arm. And, you, and the most probably iconic thing is a caber. It's like, a, it looks like a big telephone pole and you run and you have to flip it in a certain sequence. And so I won, uh, the, I set one world record in, in one of the events in that and then won the, uh, the, the, the uh, world championships as a master's athlete. Uh, I went on to, uh, I did a little bit of track and field where I went all American in the discus and then a couple and some of the weight, the weight and the super weight, uh, which is kind of funny because those the heavier weights were uh, what I was throwing every day as a Highland Games athlete. So when I came to, to the track and field, I was like, well, this is what I do every day. And I get to use two hands here with the other one. I only got to use one. So I was able to do well with that. And then, and then I went on to rowing, you know, I got on those, this, this, you know, this concept two stuff and set uh, six American records and three world records um, in that. And so now, now I'm starting a new sport again. So now I'm doing martial arts, I'm doing jujitsu. And so it's, it's another, <laughs> another struggle to try to get to the top. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, that's why he's about two years ago. I remember starting to row and your record row was a minute and 14 seconds, if I'm not mistaken. For five, yeah, that was one of the records for, for 500 meters. Yeah, it's, uh, it was like 114.5 or 0.6, I think. I can't I think I know I did 114.5, but I think I registered 114.6. And I don't know if I ever uploaded my 114.5, but, but yeah, right around that. Minute 14 for 500 meters. Yeah, that's fucking hustling, bro. <laughs> And uh, that was when you were carnivore, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So you're telling me it's no steroids. It's 40 years of consistent hard work into something and you can do impressive things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, I don't care what diet you're on, you know, and, and, and I'll say this without any sort of hesitation. I think consistent hard work and training is a biggest factor you know i mean you know diet has a role and it has an important role for our health but i mean as far as athletic performance strength and giving you that edge you know you better be in there busting your butt and busting it pretty pretty uh pretty regularly with pretty good consistency or or you know you're going to be kind of in the middle of the pack absolutely and i think a lot of people kind of miss the mark when they see the people who are all juiced up and they don't necessarily understand that look even if those people weren't juiced up Kai Green's still going to look like Kai Green. Ronnie Coleman's going to look like Ronnie Coleman. All those guys are still genetic freaks, regardless of what. And once again, those are really hardworking dudes that, you know, they live it. It's not like they just go in and pick up the weights a few times and put them down. They put in the work is, you know, I'm sure you have for 40 years to get to where you are. Yeah, I mean, I, my understanding, and, you know, like I said, I, I made the decision to do it without drugs. And, you know, I'm not going to cast moral judgment on anybody that does but you know i think it's about a 10 to 15 percent benefit on strength you know if we look at the strength world records usually the the drug you know drug use records are 10 to 15 percent higher than, than the non-drug use so so i mean if you're 90 percent ronnie coleman i mean you're pretty friggin freaky and big i mean I, i've seen some incredibly strong people in the world of powerlifting that you know i mean they're just you know these guys are you know deadlifting 800 close to 900 pounds that's monstrous and that's without drugs, you know, and I think, you know, the guys that get to that, maybe, maybe another hundred pounds on there, maybe using, but you know, it's not to take away from anybody, but I mean, like I said, you can get pretty damn strong without using drugs for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, shit's impressive, man. And it's not like you just wake up and you're yoked and you're deadlifting that kind of weight, you know, it is 
time it's dedication it's pouring your heart and soul into it and i think a lot of people aren't willing to do that they just want to you know they think oh if i get on the juice then i'll be good to go but you know for my example it took me a year to go from a 455 deadlift to a 500 pound deadlift but i'm actually lighter now than i was you know last year i'm six foot tall about 185 pounds and i was able to do 500 pounds but you know i still want to go more but you know it's, it's time it's progression it's the blood sweat and tears it never ends, man. I got to tell you, <laughs> it never gets easier. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just you know, it's all it's always hard. It's just a matter of how much what the number is on the bar, but you should always be pushing hard. Absolutely. So, uh, kind of pivoting on here, uh, I wanted to talk to you specifically about COVID nineteen and all the uh, stuff kind of going on from here. So, let's kind of start off with uh, brass tacks. What did you initially think in March of twenty twenty? when we were told essentially we were all going to die and you have to be locked in your house you know i i was uh even then i was somewhat skeptical of that approach i mean you know i mean you know i mean it's it's there's there's really every single bit of knowledge we know about medicine is there there are people that are at risk for whatever it is you know the host is always an important factor and so anytime you have an infectious disease or really any disease the outcomes are always worse in the elderly in those people that are you know metabolically compromised in some way they're suffering from chronic disease or immunocompromised and and so my you know i remember hearing about this in january i remember somebody saying something what do you think about this bat virus out of china and i I didn't know anything about it. I just kind of said, I don't know. It sounds kind of goofy to me. And then obviously it materialized. And in fact, I was in, I was in, I actually flew through China in late 2019. It was kind of interesting that I was, was there during that time. And I didn't, you know, we still didn't know about it then, but um, you know, from early on, you know, and, and I certainly, you know, my initial impression was, you know, you need to, you know, I mean, if there's something there, just take the, take the old folks and, you know, protect them in, in, in the way you can, you know, which is, you know, you can you can you can keep them separated you know not just you know take tell everybody in the world to hide in their home because it doesn't matter i mean a virus is going to get in your house just as well as it's going to be anywhere else if it's outside in the air which some people thought it is it's not like you don't have an air conditioning vent that's going to come into your house it's not like your houses are hermet hermetically sealed so i mean i was like it doesn't really make sense to me and you know certainly some of the early stuff with you know you got guys out there surfing by themselves in the ocean police are in there dragging them in i thought that's just, that's just insanity in my view um i think and i think you know again i mean there's a lot of people that are advocates of this you know you, you take the take the vulnerable people you you know you do what it takes to to make them as safe as possible and it may be providing them with some degree of isolation um if you have you know effective medications including vaccines those are the ones that are going to be just like the flu season every year you know who do they who do we vaccinate we vaccinate the old people we vaccinate some of the immunocompromised people and, and you know in some cases kids uh and that's the approach that i i was like i was surprised we deviated from that because i wasn't seeing i mean i guess i didn't really pay attention in the beginning i wasn't looking at you know bodies falling over dead in china which apparently there was some video of that i never saw it but i mean i guess if you're i guess if you're watching that i can see where you you know justify that you're scared um you know if it was ebola which i didn't get any sense that it was you know ebola is something that if, if, if there was a pandemic of ebola sweeping across the, the u.s i think maybe the maybe the uh response would have been justified but it, it didn't appear to be that was the case to me and my, my thought was you know stay healthy get healthy and and that would have been an approach that I that I would have utilized if you know had I been the 
the guy making the decisions, but you know, that's, there's no danger of that. I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and on top of that, there's not a lot of people pushing out health and lifestyle quite like you are. And you've fostered a great community of people who have improved their health. It's just absolutely disgusting to me that at this point in time, we're now essentially telling children that they're walking disease vectors. You literally see children walking outside with masks on by themselves and I don't have kids yet. I plan to have kids soon. But the idea that you're going to tell the most impressionable and the most, you know, innocent group of people, these kids have no, you know, they didn't choose to be here. They didn't choose for any of this to happen. You know, they don't get to choose their parents. They don't get to choose the country they're born in. We literally have told them that now you must sacrifice your living standards to make the elderly feel comfortable. And if people want to take precautions, it's fine. If you want to get vaccinated, that's fine. If you want to wear a mask, that's fine. But children are not the main drivers of what's spreading the disease. And on top of that, even when they get it, it's not severe. You could look at all the CDC data you want, and it's pretty much going to confirm what I'm saying, that I don't even think 150 children have died all across the world from this. So it, just the idea of going after children and just basically indoctrinating them with the idea that they're a walking disease vector and a threat to everybody else just because of the air. I, it's disgusting to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think, you know, you know, children are, as you know, I mean, there's been almost no, I mean, it's like lightning strike rarity that a kid's going to have a significant issue with this, you know, particularly if they're healthy. I mean, the few kids that have been affected significantly by COVID have been, from what we understand, you know, very already sick. You know, they may be kids with cancer and things like that, or morbidly obese kids. Unfortunately, though, they exist, which is a real shame that we have these eight-year-olds walking around that are already morbidly obese. But uh, and and right, using using uh, kids as a shield. I mean, you think about any culture that would hold its kids up to protect, you know, the adults is. I mean, it's it's absolutely atrocious. And so, yes, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that. Uh, uh, you know, and, and what, what it, you know, you can look at the statistics and the outcomes don't seem to be different, no matter what, what anyone is doing with this, you know, the virus does what it's going to do. And we're not, and I think it's almost arrogant to think that we're going to have a major impact on that. You know, you know, some people argue a vaccine will, will mitigate some of the, some of the severity, but I mean, what happens is, you know, the people that die are the people that are going to die anyway, you know, regardless, I know it's kind of a tough pill to swallow, but I mean, when, when 85 year olds are dropping dead, of whatever it is. I mean, it's to be expected. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, you don't, you know, when you see somebody who dies of COVID, particularly elderly, odds are they were going to die of something anyway in the, in the near term. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of old people die of common colds. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, they just, at, at a certain point, they become so weak and, and vulnerable that, you know, just a common cold will be enough to, 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 to set them off and they may develop, you know, secondary pneumonia and, and pass away. And so, um, you know, not to be harsh about it, but I mean, these people probably, you know, I don't think we have a lot of people that would have died, you know, outside of this. And then, of course, you know, you know, the whole thing with the PCR testing uh, at 40 cycles, 40 cycle threshold is, I mean, you don't know what you're getting. I mean, you know, how many of those are false positive? There's pretty good indication that a lot of them, you know, the fact that they were coding, uh, gunshot wounds as COVID related deaths, if they tested positive was just, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, we've seen the hypocrisy and the, and the nonsense of this whole pandemic response. And I think most people, 
uh, you know, many, you know, unfortunately it's become extremely politicized, which, you know, you know, I, I just wonder if, you know, we had a different outcome in the election in 2020 and we would have had a different president in office, if the same people that were lining up for vaccines would have still been doing it, or if they would have said, no, we don't trust these guys now. It's, it's just, you know, the fact that it's become so politicized and it's not really about, you know, we hear this follow the science and what, when you look at the actual science, you're like, none of these policies that you're enacting make sense. Vaccine mandates, firing people from work, you know, ignoring the fact that people have already been previously infected and recovered and they have robust immunity. I mean, it's, it's, it's just completely, you know, sitting down in a restaurant, you can eat, but if you stand up, you got to put a mask on, you know, being outside, outside in the middle of nowhere by yourself and, and people are wearing masks. I mean, that's just, you know, I think that's just a manifestation of mental illness at this point. You know, it's like, I think I call it like, CNN poisoning or something like that, or MSN overdose, you know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's, it's ridiculous to see people driving down the road with a freaking mask on. And there's, I've seen parents with their kids walking around the store and their kids have masks on and they don't. And I, I got back and forth with somebody on Twitter and he was arguing about masks. Well, it's just a small thing, you know, it's a minor inconvenience. You're potentially or potentially protecting people. But my point was, it's like, it's not about a fucking mask. I don't care if people wear that or not. Children should not be told that they're a threat. And we need to be honest with people like, look, if you are in this little cloth mask you cut up, will you stop the spread? Maybe, probably not. The mask has been sitting in your pocket for three weeks. Probably ain't going to do much. The ones that have been hanging off your mirror for the last year, they're probably not doing much. And we're supposed to believe that that's okay. But, you know, just make sure you get your shot. And then the other frustrating thing is they, they've never been honest about any of this stuff. So, well, if you get your two shots, you're good. You can't catch, you can't spread it. Well, now do we see? We see in some countries it's 70% of the people are vaccinated, still spreading it. It's it's just like a complete and total debauchery of science, and they use that term, you know, follow the science as a uh, club to beat people over the head. But oftentimes, they don't even know what the hell the science is. Well, I mean, I think that you know, one of the problems is you know, you have people that that you know make these kind of kind of crazy claims. You know, it's nanotechnologies. You know, you've got little robots in your bloodstream, or they're going to magnetize you, or you know, it's, it's designed to kill the population. I, I, I kind of try to distance myself from that. My thought is, you know, the vaccines, like any other, every time I've been in medicine for many years and new procedure comes out, new, new drug comes out, everybody gets excited. They make these big wild hype claims and they never live up with that. And so when, when they come out and say these things are 95% effective, and again, that's relative risk reduction. It's not absolute reduction. You know, the absolute risk reduction is like a half a percent. It's something, you know, it's like, there's no real difference. Um, you know, I saw a nice little meme that was saying, you know, Pfizer announces by taking the children, taking the uh, vaccine, the risk goes from, you know, almost zero to almost zero. You know, it's like it's like no, no change at all. And, yeah. but, 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 but I think, you know, I think what happens is, you know, they, they put this product out there. The government spends, you know, half a trillion dollars or whatever, whatever we spent to, to acquire all the all the all the doses. And then, you know, we find out, well. Yeah, maybe it wasn't as good as advertised. You know, now it's only, you know, 40% efficacious after four or five months or whatever the numbers are. And, and, and so now they're like, well, guess what? You need to get another one of the same thing that didn't really work that well in the first place. And, you know, and, and then they're on to, you know, they already are talking about the fourth dose, you know, and it's four doses within a year for some people, which is just, you know, it's just, it's just a, not a good product. I mean, they basically sold the government a lemon and the government is trying to, you know, 
you know, use all those things up, you know, that they've, they've, they've got sitting in stockpile. Um, and so I think it's just, I think it's just, I think it's just a not a very effective or, or not as effective as they thought it was. And so now everybody's making excuses for it and we're redefining the definition of vaccines. And well, don't you know, it doesn't, it, you know, you, you, we all heard the promises, you know, Joe Biden, if you get the vaccine, you won't get sick, you won't spread it, you won't die. And then, you know, what's what three months later? Well, yeah, you may spread it and you may still get sick, but you know, but well, and you may not die, but you still might die, you know, but, but, you know, but get it anyway. And it's just, it's just complete nonsense. And the real thing is, here's the deal. I mean, the people that get vaccinated and they still get sick and some of them go on to die, unfortunately, these are the same people that whether they got vaccinated or not, the same thing would most likely happen to them. These are the people that haven't taken care of them, health, their health. They've gotten into this immunocompromised group for whatever reason, whether it's morbid obesity or, uh, you know, uncontrolled diabetes, or they have something else. These are all things that potentially they could have worked on. I mean, not everything you can't fix. You can't turn a 90 year old into a 20 year old. You can make a 90 year old healthier. I can tell you that. And you can take someone who's diabetic with out of control blood glues. You literally can fix that within a week. I mean, I see that all the time. You can take somebody who's 50 pounds overweight, they can lose 20 pounds in a month. I mean, that's not, that's, I see that, I see that literally every day. In fact, I do that every day. So, I mean, the fact that our government has sat there for now 20, was it 21 months and kept saying, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, stand apart and um, get a vaccine as soon as you possibly can. And, 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 you know, I mean, I don't fault them for saying some of that stuff. You know, some of that is, is not necessarily bad advice, depending on who you are. But the fact that they don't even mention, not even once, hey, this would be a good time maybe to see if you can lose a couple pounds. Maybe you should stop eating all this ultra processed garbage junk food. Maybe you should get outside and go for a walk, you know, get out in some sunshine, do a couple push-ups. I mean, that would be that would be a message which would to me, if that was a message, I would say, okay, I'm more likely to believe some of this other stuff because it's clearly not about health in the way that I think of health. I mean, it's it's you know, I think it's you know, I mean, obviously, we're all we all see how much money, you know, these 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 companies, you know, Pfizer and Moderna and J&J, &J, uh, particularly the first two are making on this stuff. I mean, they are literally making hundreds of billions of dollars. These are the most this is some of the best year they've ever had. And, and you know, of course, they're like, well, we're going to we're going to need to make this an annual thing. We got people in the UK saying this is going to be with us for five to 10 years. And of course, the, the people from Pfizer just, you know, they're, they're looking at their stockholders and their and their, you know, the board of directors and they're all you know, they're doing they're jumping for joy, doing backflips with this stuff. And then, of course, you know, we see that the uh, drug companies basically own the media. I mean, it's I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's unreliable. I mean, Every they, ad's paid you know, for by Pfizer. Well, I mean, in some way, you know, in some shape or form, you, you better be, you know, not critical of those guys. And then they also own the regulators. I mean, you know, we've got this regulatory capture where the FDA gets something like 45% of its overall funding from the drug companies and then 65 of all the new drug approvals, the funding for that comes from the drug companies. And so, you know, they're like, well, I'm, you know, we're going to pay for it. We're going to pay for our drugs. And some people claim it. You know, it costs a lot of money and these guys need to pay their fair share, but we see the conflict of interest there. There's no no doubt about it. And so we've got this issue. We, CDC, same thing. I mean, the CDC gets funded from drug companies uh, through different foundations. And so it's 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 really I mean, it's a fox guarding the hen house, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way. So um, anyone that dissents from this opinion is, you know, ridiculed, mocked, you know, run out of business. You know, you've got doctors being their licenses being threatened if they dare not toe the line. I mean, it's it, it, I've never you know, this is this is obviously complete 
you know, disregard for, you know, human rights, uh, for the Constitution of the United States, First Amendment, all these things are just being thrown out the window in the name of, quote unquote, safety. And, you know, Ben Franklin says, you know, those guys that don't want to trade, uh, you know, uh, freedom for safety, you're going to get none. You know, that's, that's kind of what we're seeing now. Yeah, that's 100% the truth. And they are essentially trying to set up this apartheid caste system where you have a basic group of people who have rights and then a basic group of people who don't. Because, you know, if you could show your vaccine passport, you know, you're up to date on your shots. It's no longer, did you get the vaccine? It's, are you up to date? Because they're pushing all these boosters. So you bring out your phone, you go to the restaurant, you show your vaccine passport. And if you don't have it, you don't get in. And it literally is a two-tiered system where you have, like I said, a group of people who have rights and a group of people who don't. I can't imagine anything more disgusting than that. And it is under the guise of safety. But, you know, is it really when these vaccines all along have proven to just be very mildly effective? I don't want to say not effective because I know people who got it and, you know, were vaccinated and their case wasn't too bad. But it's not this end all be all, especially because they keep pushing booster, booster, booster. You got to get up to date, you know, and you still have to take all the preventative measures. They've never set up this end plan, you know. It's it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see now that they have some therapeutics that can come on the market, which you know are you know these are protease inhibitors, zinc ionophores, the same thing. Some of these other medications, which they basically banned. Uh, and, they're, and they're basically replicating their same mechanism of access so they can make so they can put it under patent and make, you know, whatever, 50 bucks a dose or 100 bucks a dose, whatever they're going to charge for it. And we'll see if that changes the tune. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, once, you know, let's say this new variant, this Omicron variant proves to be relatively uh, weak, you know, as far as causing disease and, and, and serious complications as it seems to. And then this, you know, and we see the natural evolution of what we see with most viruses is that they fizzle out and become, you know, more transmissible, but less, you know, it becomes like a common cold. And then and it's like, okay, so then at this point, you, you have to say, well, pandemic is over. Are we going to still keep those same measures in place? Is this part of society that even in the absence of a pandemic, I still can't go to a restaurant in downtown Seattle because I'm not vaccinated? I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, I mean, I can I can very well see that, you know, because, you know, they condition you to have QR codes. You know, this is what they're saying in Australia in Sweden. They're microchipping people. In Sweden, they're actually micro people are volunteering to be microchipped. They're putting little, you know, like like you tag your dog. You know, they're putting stuff in their skin, in their form, in their hand. And, and you know, we're seeing that that is um, what, you know, some people want. Some people are willing to accept that, and they don't understand the implications, the bigger implications as to where it can go. I mean, you know, pretty soon we'll be seeing, um, you know, they'll be able to track everything you do and everything, everything you use, and then you know, they may sign some some degree of value or lack of value to what you do. Like if I go to the grocery store and buy three packs of ribeyes, like I just did, they may say, "Hey, bud." you you you've exceeded your meat limit for the month you're done we're not going to let you buy any more stuff you know you won't go you can't go to the store because you got to scan your qr code you've used too much carbon in your diet or some other crap uh so obviously you know people with some common sense need to say this is not this is not you know how we need to proceed in society right i completely agree um i guess we'll kind of move on from the covid stuff Maybe we'll, well, I'm sure everything will wrap back to there just because it's so in your face anymore. But um, when you kind of came out taking a firm stance against the COVID regime, if you will, for lack of a better term, um, 
did it seem like the people within the Rivero community were with or against you? I feel like, in my opinion, you could tell me if I'm wrong. Um, people who are eating, you know, an animal based diet are already kind of opposed to the mainstream. So they're probably more likely to be skeptical of, you know, the corporate press's advice or whatever they're going to say. But, you know, maybe there's some people that just fit on the narrative. Um, so yeah, what's kind of been your experience within uh, Rivera or Meet RX? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, first of all, I've never told anybody you shouldn't get the vaccine. It's a bioweapon. I've always yeah. said worth discussing with your doctor. But in some cases, it makes sense. And I've been very much, you know, opposed to mandates for this. You know, like I said, I've I've had so many damn vaccines. I was in the military. I had, I had anthrax theory. I've had, you know, yellow fever. I've traveled over the world. I had all that stuff. My kids have been vaccinated with their childhood vaccines. I'm not, you know, in that situation. And I think I've been very clear about that, but, I'll, but, I, but yeah, I mean, within the, you know, within this community, yeah, we've got people that have been, you know, they've, they've kind of, the, the, the sort of healthcare system has let them down. They realize the, the, the problems. I mean, they, you know, they did their time, they did their 10 or 20 years in the healthcare system and didn't get, you know, just were worse for wear. And, you know, same thing with the nutrition guidelines, you know, we see this, you know, push to, eat, you know, a little speck of meat and then a bunch of, you know, legumes, you know, beans and pulses and a bunch of broccoli. And people have tried that as well and found out that they that they were lacking for whatever reasons and it made their health worse, worse in many cases. So we have people that are skeptical. And when you, you know, when you say, I'm not going to just, you know, bend over and take it no matter what they, you know, what the government says, because, you know, there's so many examples where they're wrong. I mean, even in, you know, we, we even in, the, in the, the context of this pandemic, we, we, you know, we can see how many times have they changed their mind? Right. You know, you got Tony Fauci out there just every week, it's a different story. And it's like, why would we believe you at all? I mean, you know, it's kind of like, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I generally, um, and, and I try to, you know, like I said, within this community, I mean, the focus is on health and I try to keep it there, but sometimes it's, you know, somebody will bring something up and said, Hey, I'm about to lose my job over this nonsense. And, you know, we will sometimes chat about that and how I think that's, completely unfair and it's you know it's uh, uh it doesn't make sense again it scientifically doesn't make any sense but but yeah and generally the the, the the you know within the you know the i guess in the, it's kind of funny i have been you know very critical of vegan diets over the years uh not, not so much you know well i mean i think there's some problems with that but i mean i've been critical of vegans that come out and tell me i'm a murderer or you know i'm an animal abuser because i I dare to eat meat like every human being for the last three million years has. And so I'll push back on that. And, you know, you know, and so I always go back and forth with a certain vegan doctors. but it's interesting. A lot of the vegan doctors themselves have kind of pushed back against this, this whole pandemic narrative too. And they're doing the same thing. And so I've seen some interesting alliances and we're all like saying, you know, lifestyle is important, whatever, however you get there and reliance on drugs you know, is, is just supporting this industry, this pharmaceutical industry, which is basically, you know, converted healthcare into disease management. We no longer have a healthcare system. You know, I can't remember which CEO of one of these major drug companies, I don't know if it was Merck or somebody like that, but they literally were interviewed and they said, somebody asked them if curing disease was a sustainable business model. And he flat out said, no, you know, we, we're not any if we cure disease and we don't have customers. And so they very much know they want lifetime recurring, you know, subscription customers. And so what that means is you just, you know, you kind of do symptom management, mitigate some of the symptoms, you know, it's like you take the edge off the disease, but you don't cure it. That's crazy talk. That's, that's not the billion dollar drug. That's, that's a losing strategy. So we know the pharmaceutical industry, 
what their interest is. It's not curing people or promoting health. I mean, that's the opposite of what they want. Uh, and it, I mean, I don't think there's any secret. I mean, I, I think everybody that has half a brain can figure that out. Um, you know, I mean, there's, you know, like I said, there's some situations where, yes, a medication is helpful, but it's not to be something meant to be taken for the rest of your life outside of a, a few cases. Like I'd say something like a type one diabetic would benefit from that. But, you know, really, I mean, most of this stuff like blood pressure medicines, you know, we get people on blood pressure medicines and they stay on it for 50 years or 40 years. I see blood pressure going away. I see people normalizing their blood pressure every single day just by making lifestyle changes and they get off their meds. But that's not part of the uh you know, that's not part of the paradigm. So, yeah, I mean, our community is very much, um, I think, lifestyle first. <clears throat> and many of them, you know, there's some that, that, that are, I mean, many of them have been vaccinated. And I, and I never tell them that they've done the wrong thing. I mean, I say that's yeah. fine. You know, I mean, do what you're going to do. Um, but at the same time, we don't, we don't have people, you know, we don't, we, you know, if you go on like Twitter, I mean, you got people out there just with the most <laughs> violent, awful, I hope you die. I hope you, I hope they force your child on the ground and force vaccinated while you have to watch. I mean, I've seen people make these comments. I'm like, you know, I don't know if that's a bot from, you know, some bot just trying to, trying to sow, uh, you know, strife within the U S or if it's a real person, you know, I think sometimes just some of these real people, I mean, you see them and they're just, I mean, they're speaking out of fear and they're, they're, I mean, they're terrorized. I mean, these people now literally have post-traumatic stress disorder or some mental illness induced by constantly being exposed to this fear porn that's just being put out there every single day. I mean, it's like, I mean, you know, you've seen, you've seen polls where they'll poll people and they'll think, what are the odds of you getting sick or dying if you catch COVID? And some people think it's 50, 50. And it's like, no, it's like, one tenth of one tenth, one tenth of one tenth of a percent. Yeah. And if you're healthy and you're in really good shape, it's even less. You know, like when I got, I, I had COVID um, the beginning of last month, you know, it's been what, about five weeks ago. And I mean, I felt pretty crappy for two or three days. I mean, I missed one workout. You know, I, you know, I rested, I rested up a little bit, ate good food, stayed hydrated, took a few extra vitamins that I, that I usually don't take. And I mean, you know, I mean, I, I honestly say I felt kind of, you know, not 100% for about a week. And then I'm back to, you know, back to normal stuff. I mean, we, we had a trip to down to Florida, which was kind of nice to go since we're in Washington State, which is a little bit, you know, tyrannical. But we're down in Florida. Like we recovered and we went down to Florida for a week and uh, uh, and then came back and it was like, man, I'm, there's nothing. There's no, no, no problem at all. So and, and my kid had it, you know, my kid, my nine year old kid had it. I think he sneezed twice. I mean, I think that was his whole, the whole thing he had. I mean, he like sneezed twice and he was good to go. It's like, okay. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I, if you're healthy, odds are extremely, you know, the media loves to show a young person that dies, you know, it's like, and, and then they scare all these people. They're like, oh my God, there's a young person that died. Well, guess what? I could find a young person that died of anything. You know, if you just, if you want to look at that, you could say, you know, cancer, you know, heart attack, you know, whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of things where you can find examples of, you know, it's like, it's like saying, well, I knew, I knew an old guy that lived to 106 and he smoked and drank every day. And then you're, you're like, well, that's not really a good reason to smoke and drink every day. I mean, but, but some people would, would say that's the same argument, but in reverse. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. They do try to myopically focus on these wild ab or wild cases that just do not happen on the regular but they use that to push the narrative that hey look even if you get this you're young and healthy you're gonna get sick and die my fiance and i both had it back towards the end of march and it, it was 
it's really funny to me because for about a weekend, I felt just like 80%. Didn't feel as good as I normally did. And then come Monday, I made my coffee. I felt perfectly fine. I took a sip of it and I couldn't taste it. And, you know, I kind of thought, okay, whatever. So I took a shower. I came back upstairs and I made some uh, butcher box pork belly bacon, which if you ever had that, it's like, it has like a spice to it almost. I couldn't taste it. So had a uh, New York strip and I think four eggs and some bacon. I couldn't taste any of it. And I sat down on the bed next to my fiance and I said, well, <laughs> I think I got COVID, but I felt perfectly fine. You know, it, but once again, I was 26 years old, working out five to seven days a week, walk my dogs every single morning for at least 10 minutes after I eat. So, you know, it's good for blood, um, blood glucose levels and digestion. Um, I stay on top of my freaking health. And I was, I used a glutathione nasal spray, took vitamin D, alpha lipoic acid, gone in a week, had my taste and smell back, felt perfectly fine. So, it, but you know, had I died or had an adverse event, you know, I would have been all over the news because look, young, healthy guy got the vid, got messed up. Yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't a big deal at all. My fiance, similar deal though. She lost her smell for like a month and then right back. Yeah. I mean, often we'll see, you know, it's what always makes me laugh. Well, not, I shouldn't say laugh. It's a little bit sad, but I mean, they'll, they'll say young health, healthy person hospitalized for COVID and they'll show like an 18 year old who is, you know, 150 pounds overweight, you know, it's like, and then they'll say they're, they're healthy. I'm like, yeah. no, they're not. You know? <laughs> do you feel like this almost has something to do with this body positivity movement? And I'm not, the way that sounds, I'm not trying to bash people who are obese, but we basically have lowered the threshold for healthy in the U S right. You see a bunch of people who are considered obese and we tell these people, you know, oh, you're fine the way you are. Don't worry about it. You're just as healthy, you know, cheer on girl, whatever. Um, I almost feel like it's a consequence of telling people that they're fine the way they are. And I'm not saying we should fat shame people. I'm not saying we should make them feel bad. I'm just saying, look, if you're not willing to exercise, if you're not willing to eat right, then you have now an independent risk factor for, you know, higher mortality, diabetes, heart disease, or severe outcomes with COVID. And once again, not to shame these people, but just politely tell them, look, you need to just be aware that you're of a risk profile that may put you at a disproportionate risk of, you know, severe outcomes or death. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the overwhelming evidence is pretty clear that, you know, you know, I mean, we're talking strictly obesity, certainly after a certain level. I mean, you are at much higher risk for, you know, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, you know, dementia, um, you know, on and on and on. And, and certainly at higher risk for um, in, infectious disease. In fact, there's a nice study uh, it came out early in uh, 2020 and it was it was talking about. The lessons we've learned from influenza and what they have as far as a uh, uh, you know potential impact on COVID, and they saw that people that were obese, um, not only did they have greater risk that they would you know get sick, be hospitalized, be intubated, and die, but they also um, when they you know they would shed viral particles for longer periods of time, and they would shed more viral par particles, and populations that have large you know, numbers of obese people, higher percentages, pandemic outcomes tend to be worse. There's higher mortality rates, even among the non-obese. I mean, it just, they just kind of brew these um, 
you know, more virulent uh, viruses or, or they shed them for longer periods of time. And so uh, that's something that no one wants to talk about. I mean, I've, I've, I've quoted that study a number of times. There's, and there's many other studies like that to show that. And so if you were going to say, who is putting people at risk? I mean, the, the honest answer would be these people that are metabolically compromised, not who's vaccinated or not. I mean, that doesn't seem to hold up. Uh, with regard to transmissibility, at least not to the degree that they're trying to make it out to be. Um, but yes, I mean, this this body positivity, healthy, at any, beautiful at any size. I mean, beauty is in the high the beholder. I mean, I think that doesn't really, I don't care if you think someone who's 400 pounds is beautiful, that's great, that's up to you. And if, if that person thinks they're beautiful, they're great too. But you can't deny the health implications of these sorts of things. And to expect society to cater to you because you've decided that, being, you know, massively obese uh, is is your right, which it is. I mean, you can do that, but I mean, you, you know, there's there's like I said, if I'm going to run around and run stoplights, um, I'm going to pay the consequence. I'm going to get a car wreck at some point, you know. And I can, you know, like I said, I know we talk about freedoms and stuff like that, but I mean, this is another thing where you know, you 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 know, and, and it's like. <clears throat> We're, you know, we can put it in the context where there's some hospitals and they're not going to do an organ transplant. They're not going to, you know, some doctors basically said, I'm not going to treat unvaccinated people, um, which I think is abhorrent to me as a physician. I mean, I think it's like me saying, well, I'm not going to treat smokers or people that are obese because it's lifestyle. It's, it's a personal decision they make. And, you know, it's like I said, if we were, if, if some were, if, if doctors started announcing, hey, we're not going to treat obesity. We're not, I mean, we're not going to, anybody who's obese, is not going to be allowed in our hospital. I mean, you, you can't imagine how many lawsuits would go up and everybody, everybody on social media would be screaming and you'd have, you know, nonstop coverage in the news about that and, you know, that type of stuff. But it's but it's okay to, you know, discriminate on against other people depending on their personal beliefs a lot of times. So, yeah, well, um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, essentially now we're discriminating based upon whether or not you've taken a, uh, a, you know, made a medical choice between taking a drug from a big pharmaceutical company, you know, that's going to decide whether or not you can do certain things or, and like you said now, whether or not some doctors will operate on you, which, you know, I'm a mechanic, right? As long as it's a GM car coming to the GM dealership that I work for, don't care. But, you know, that's it. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're vaccinated. I don't care. Just give me your GM, your Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Chevrolet. I'll fix it up. I don't care. But, you know, this idea that as a doctor, you would say, well, I'm going to decline treating somebody because they didn't make this medical decision that I agree with. I, it's wrong. Well, and, and, you know, I like I said, yeah, I think there, at least in this country, in the United States, you know, you see there's a significant percent of the people that overwhelmingly disagree. And you see, you know, what right. Biden's popularity numbers are. I mean, I think last time I checked, I think they're in the mid 30s and, and maybe still falling. <clears throat> and so, I mean, some of that and you've seen all these federal uh, courts have now shut down pretty much all of his mandates, at least mm -hmm. at least temporarily. No one agree. You know, the majority of people, I think, disagree with that. And we see these. You know, it's kind of funny when you talk to the average person, you know, you know I think most people are, on, are kind of normal and rational. They, they disagree with this stuff, but then they come out with these, you know, medium, you know, these media polling that data, which is just nonsense in a lot of cases, like who did you ask, you know, or, and I mean, that's the other thing, you know, we see that because this has been politicized, 
Um, and we know that the social medias tend to lean, you know, one way politically, they're happy to discriminate against these people because they're, they're, they're basically their political enemies. Now, again, if I, I think if, if the situation were reversed and you had, you know, and, and that may happen in 2022, I think we're going to see a big back, backlash where there's going to be uh, a lot of people thrown out of office based on this. But, you know, if, you know, if say Trump was in office right now, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not a diehard Trump fan. I, you know, I, 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 I was, I was really apolitical. I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I, it pissed me off that I had to get dragged into this politics because I was like, I generally want to just be left alone, yeah. not not do this stuff. But I mean, it's, you know, when you start, you know, start becoming these tyrannical craziness, um, you know, it was it was like either say something or be uh, uh, complicit. You know, and I think this is the same thing. You know, talk about you know, some people use these analogies of you know, uh, 1930s Germany, and people are saying, well, how the hell did that happen? You know, because so many people decided to look the other way and say, oh, it's not that bad. And, oh, it doesn't affect me. And we, you know, all of us clearly see that what these implications, where things are going, and they are going to affect you and affect all of us. And so, um, but yeah, I, but I think if, if, the, if the tables were reversed and he was still in office, you wouldn't see the same level of discrimination. You know, I mean, I think what would happen is, uh, you know, uh, because the media is, bought and controlled for by by one 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 sort of political ideology for the most part and then of course the the, the uh, uh, fact that they're bought and paid for by corporations and, and these and these drug companies are a big part of that i mean they have a you know when you see the uh uh the uh, head of reuters you know the the the, the uh, news agency is now on the board of pfizer or or I can't remember, or, yeah i think that's what it was yeah he's now on the board of directors and guess what guess who stands to make a lot of money if no one is allowed to say bad things about their, 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 their drug. I mean, you know, you look at Pfizer and they're a company that, I mean, I, can't, I think it was in 2009, they paid a $2.3 billion fine for Bextra and some other drugs that they, they lumped in there. And they said, you guys are serial, you know, you commit serial medical fraud. I mean, they were, they were, I mean, that was just clear as day. I mean, they were, they were lying about the results. They were, they were, and you know, it's like the same company, and now we're starting to see evidence that, you know, their clinical trials were questionable. They were cutting corners. Maybe they were disregarding some adverse outcome events. At least some people are suggesting that, which wouldn't be surprising since they have a history of doing that. And so it's one of those things where it's like, how do you how do you just blindly trust these people? Right. And you were one of the first people that I saw coming out swinging sort of against the World Health Organization because they were saying no, it was YouTube that said that we will follow the World Health Organization's guidelines on COVID misinformation, which is funny because these are the same people that told you red meat's a carcinogen, which I, I want to touch on this a little bit as well. But like, do you really trust these people to tell you that meat, which we've been eating for millions of years, is a carcinogen? You trust these same people to give you correct health advice? To me, it's... I'm skeptical. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't find the the World Health Organization credible in a lot of things. I mean, I mean, I've been pissed off since 2015 when they came out with that that, that discussion, and I've talked to people that sat on the panel. I mean, I've talked to I talked to a, a researcher who was on that panel. And he said it was total BS. It was a total political statement. It had nothing to do with good science. And there's been so many so many studies that have come out subsequent, and scientists have come out and said this is garbage. But it's in the narrative, you know. World World Health Organization declared declared it a carcinogen, therefore it must be true because this, you know, political, non-elected body has said so. 
And, you know, and, you, and we, you know, you know, Bill Gates is one of the largest funders of the, of the World Health Organization, you know, behind the United States. You know, I know Trump pulled out and I think Biden went back in him or I think he has. Um, and so I, I was never really enamored with the World Health Organization and the fact that we're sitting there and uh, they, they are the. The word, I mean, they're, they're literally the word of God. I mean, we've gotten this. I mean, science has been hijacked into religion. You know, it's like, you know, there's no discussion. There's, I mean, you know, with this pandemic, nobody knew anything at the beginning, you know, you know, you know, I mean, other than, you know, where the hell did it come from? I mean, you know, that's another topic of discussion, but um, it's like, you don't know what's going on. Why don't we do the, do all the experiments and have a rational, you know, and, and you know, response based on what we're learning, but no, it was like, up. Uh, we got we got a plan. We're going to move through this. Anything that doesn't doesn't support this, and you know, you've seen like, I mean, these studies on natural immunity and this with the CDC. You get Rachel Walensky up there talking about it, saying, "Oh, it doesn't work. It's not, you know, it's it's not reliable." <laughs> and you're like, "Well, show me the data that shows it's not reliable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been replicated." I mean, you've got a non-peer-reviewed study that the CDC did, and one tiny little study out of Kentucky with just a handful of people. When they were looking at the outcomes, it didn't really matter. And they're making these claims based on, you know, you know, uh, immunoglobulins, you know, or antibodies. And, you know, you've got almost 200 studies worldwide that show that just like 100 years of data before show that if you get an illness and you recover from it, you're pretty well protected. Now, the people that aren't going to be protected, morbidly obese, people with multiple, you know, medical medical comorbidities, but they're they're always the same some system. So the answer is get in shape, you know, take care of your health. You know, that's, that's, that's the same answer, but they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to have that message. I don't know why that is. I mean, I, I mean, I do know why it is, but I mean, it's clearly a conflict of interest. It's not financially lucrative, but you know, I mean, I don't know why these people that are in government are not sitting there saying that. I mean, even like, uh, you know, like guys like Rand Paul, who I think is doing a pretty good job going after these, but I mean, but My at man. the same time, you know, you, you see these guys in these Senate hearings and they, you know, they chirp and they yell at these guys and they make them look like fools, but nothing ever happens. I mean, it's like, you know, okay, I went in, I went, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, I think, and I, I saw an, an, an analysis on this and they say, we feel like we need to be hurt. Like, I, I don't like what, you know, Fauci is saying, and I want to yell at him, you know, or maybe do worse. You know, some people might want to do worse, but I want to yell at him. Let him know. So Rand Paul's doing it by proxy for us. And we think, oh, good job, Rand Paul. But Guess what? Fauci's still sitting there advising stuff and making policy or effectively making policy. So nothing has happened. And so, you know, you got to say, why, why not? You know, why aren't we, why aren't we actually doing something about this? And, you know, part of it, I guess part of it has to do with the, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, who's in power in office right now. And, and, and again, that's a sad thing. It's all completely political. It's, you know, completely politicized which is funny i mean we all saw the the clips of uh, harris and biden and uh, some of these other people pelosi saying oh i would never take a virus if donald trump had any, or vaccine if donald trump had anything to do with it you know and, and then you know six months later it's like it's mandatory they're on for everybody camera. they're on camera taking a freaking vaccine in front of everybody for the world to see and there's something really weird about that and as you and i have both said and i'm sure most reasonable piece people agree i don't care if you get vaccinated but like this ritual where you're watching the president roll up his sleeve and inject him it's it's weird it's this weird signaling yeah yeah i mean 
some of the incentives, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they first come out and say, we can't, we don't have the power to mandate. I mean, you know, we all seen the, the, the video on that. And then, so then they're like, we'll get a free donut or go get some free marijuana or go get a free beer or win a lottery yeah. ticket or, you know, whatever, or, you know, prisoners in, in, uh, well, uh, uh, criminals in, uh, uh, fel or felons in uh, Louisiana, you can get your record expunged, you know, type of stuff, you know, or, or judges, you know, literally telling, you know, people that waiting for sentencing, we're going to, we're going to minimize your sentence if you get a vaccine or maybe even commute your sentence completely to get a vaccine. So we've seen that. And then they're saying, well, we've tried the carrot and now we're going to use a stick, you know, or I'm losing patience with this stuff. And I, you know, I think, I mean, I think, you know, I think probably by July, every single person that wanted a vaccine had a vaccine, yeah. you know, and anybody that did that after that only did it through coercion. And, and this is a thing, you know, I think as a physician, um, I would do a lot of informed consents before I do surgery on people. I'd say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is, these are the potential risks. Maybe your leg will fall off. Maybe you'll get an infection. Maybe you'll have a nerve. And yeah, you tell them up front, you know, it's unlikely. It's very rare, but these things can happen. But I mean, here's people pulling into the Walgreens parking lot and you got some, you know, person that has no medical training, basically. Here you go, boom. And they don't, you know, they don't tell you anything. Nobody knows anything. Um, and, 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 you know, and then coercion, you know, if you're doing it because you're going to keep your job or you're, you're scared about, you know, trying to integrate into society, that's not informed consent. There, you know, you cannot have, you know, you can't have coercion be part of informed consent. Now, I don't care. Like I said, even if these vaccines turn out to be 100% effective and 100% safe, which would be the first drug in the history of mankind to do that, by the way, you know, uh, I still wouldn't say you have to take it. I'd still say it's a choice, you know, and, and, you know, the problem is we've had such lack of transparency. You know, you saw the FDA saying, well, we're not going to release the data by which Pfizer uh, determine, you know, that we determine in the trial until uh, I, I think it's now it's up to 75 years. So uh, we're not going to get the data for 75 years. And you want me to trust? I mean, we, I mean, we're still waiting to figure out what happened to John F. Kennedy. You know, we're still waiting on those things, you know, it's because like to protect the innocent, I suppose. I don't know why they're not releasing those things. And I'm not that I'm a John F. Kennedy conspiracy guy, but, um, you know, it's just, it just, it just sows mistrust in people. I think, a certain percentage of people already mistrusted the government and some people mistrusted the healthcare system, including myself as a physician who's part of that. But now it's like a hundred times worse because we're seeing this, you know, nonstop lack of transparency, nonsensical policies and, and just complete, you know, what appears to be complete lying, you know, and, and then it's just, and then sometimes it's so obvious. I mean, I think it's, uh, Oh gosh, who was that? Maybe it was Solzhenitsyn who said, "You know, we, we, you know, they, we know they're lying. They know we know they're lying. They continue to lie. You know, even though we know they're lying, and on and on and on. They don't care. It's like we know, yeah, we're lying to you guys, and we don't care. Uh, you know, we're just going to do what I say. But hopefully, you know, uh, at least in this country, uh, we have enough. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, it's like you see some of these other countries that kind of make fun of Americans for." you know, liking their freedom. And yet people are, you know, swimming across the ocean to get here and you know, brave, you know, you know, basically risking their life to get here for those very reasons. And then, and then they come in here and, and say, well, it's not that important. We're going to, we're going to turn into Scandinavia and become socialists uh, and, and pretend that's the, 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 the greatest system in the world when, you know, it's, it's, it's a much different, different system there. Uh, you know, I think we have so many different people, in the U.S. That, that value their freedom, including, you know, military veterans like myself. I mean, I didn't, I didn't go to freaking war and, you know, do, and serve my time. So, you know, 
people can piss away our, 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 you know, God given rights. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And it does seem like there just is zero appetite for everything that's going on. Now you mentioned the approval ratings earlier. It's, it's just because these are transparently horrible human beings. I mean, Joe Biden is the, you know, city cards guy. They call him up whenever they need bailed out. Kamala Harris is just transparently a horrible human being through and through. People just do not have an appetite for these huge spending bills. They don't have an appetite for vaccine passports. They don't have appetites for any of the stuff that's kind of being pushed out there anymore. And I think it's being reflected in the population. And like you said, I think there's going to be a huge turnaround. So honestly, I'm pretty optimistic for the next couple of years that, um, you know, we're going to see a big change in the way things are. And um, I I think people are going to wake up to what's going on if they haven't already. And I think a lot of people have woken up and seen that, you know, what we got going on now isn't working and they want the truth. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I got a haircut today. And so it's, you know, my hair is pretty, pretty short there. And I go to this barber who's this 80, he's like an 81 year old ex-Marine here in, here in Washington, Snohomish. And he's been in the news because, you know, they told him, hey, man, you need to shut down because of the pandemic. And he, he basically told him to F off. And I go in there and he's the funniest guy because, you know, it's, it's a nonstop string of F-bombs complaining about, you know, some of these same things. And he's, you know, his, his barbershop, literally, there's ammo all over the barbershop. He said, we're all packing. We're all, ex, we're all ex-military guys. And if anybody comes to, F, you know, mess with us. It's going to be a bloodbath, you know, and he's serious. I mean, he's 81 years old. He's got nothing to lose. Uh, but it's sad that you have to have somebody like that, you know, an 80 year old ex Marine guy that has the guts and the courage and the balls to stand up to these people. And these people walked in and repeatedly said, you know, he's got the attorney general trying to breathing neck down his neck. They've got all kinds of politicians that have been trying to give him a hard time. And he just stands his ground and said, hey, look, you can't deny me the right to work. You know, and, and, you know, you, you know, like I said, and they want he was supposed to have some sort of hearing. And then they said, well, you can't have a jury trial because of COVID. And he said, well, that's that's another violation of, of our constitutional rights. And, uh, you know, he basically just doesn't stand down. And it's, it's kind of nice to see, you know, it's nice to see that. So I, I go in there on purpose because I know I'm, I want to support the guy to give him, you know, give him a nice tip and say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. So you need these people that will stand up. Yeah, and it's really odd to me because throughout history, it was normally the younger people that were supposed to be the revolutionaries and kind of lead the charge. But it seems like the elderly who were trying to protect, right, it seems like they're the ones that are even more outspoken than people my age. And don't get me wrong, there are some people my age that are standing up for it. But, you know, most people around my age, millennials and even younger, are okay with walking to the bus stop in a mask and you know, being locked in their home and receiving a check from the government. But I don't think they understand psychologically that that hurts people because you get value from your work and you feel good about yourself when you earn a check, you know, and when you stand up for things that are clearly right, which what we have going on right now is clearly wrong. So it's good to see that you at least see some people pushing back. I'm optimistic that there's going to be a lot more of that in the uh, coming years. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know, maybe I gravitate to those people because, you know, I go to my, you know, I go to, I start taking, you know, doing jujitsu and the whole jujitsu gym is like, you know, we're, we're, they don't care. I mean, you know, like I said, you, you're during a whole pandemic. I mean, you're literally rolling with people like smothering you, you know, <laughs> 
you know, either, you know, either, you know it's, it's survival of the fittest. And I think there's some, some degree of that, that, that makes kind of sense, but we've got, I mean, you know, we, we've all seen the meme about, you know, hard times make tough men and tough men make easy times and easy, easy men make or tough, you know, easy times make soft men. We're, we're in the period where we got all the soft men and we're seeing that with, you know, we haven't, you know, we, we haven't had a major in the United States. We haven't really had anything major in a long time. I mean, you know, the, the wars we've had have been overseas. We were, you know, we've really been not really, it's not really been a threat to us. We've just been doing police actions, not since World War II when we actually were in it. For, for, you know, uh, I think uh, a significant uh, thing, you know, Vietnam was just kind of an over, it's over there. It's not really concerning us on our day-to-day operations. And, you know, it was one of those things, but so we don't have a generation that's actually dealt with adversity. I mean, we've been so successful in making everybody comfortable and, you know, it's kind of like the bread and circuses, you know, it's basically, you know, you've got your Netflix, you've got your junk food. And now if you've got a government check, I mean, you're not going to rise up. You know, you don't, you, you know, when, whenever we see people, uh, these revolutionaries, I mean, it's using these countries or people who don't have anything to lose. I mean, they're starving. They, they're they're going to overthrow the government. And I'm not that I'm advocating for that here. But I mean, I think, you know, I mean, just to, to walk in a grocery store without a mask on. I mean, how hard is that? I mean, it's like it's and I, I mean, I that's what I do. I don't I don't play that nonsense i'm like i'm a surgeon i wore a mask for 20 some years every day i know what they do and i know what they don't do and i i'm in no i'm under no illusions it's it's protecting me from walking across the grocery store or for that matter protecting anybody else outside of extreme extremely rare circumstances and so you know i and you know i'll go in there and again i'm in i'm in a pretty liberal part of the country and i'll go in the, in the grocery store and you know out of a hundred people, there might be 15 that aren't wearing masks. And we all kind of look at each other like, you know, you know. but I think the more people that are willing to do that, because then the funny thing is, you know, you see the people with, with, with it hanging off their nose or on their chin. I'm like, just take the damn thing off. You know, you know, it's, you know, it's stupid. Why don't you just take it off? And, and the more people that will do that, uh, the quicker we'll get through this stuff. Uh, and, you know, like we said, it's, it's sort of mass civil disobedience and, and not, and, and not cowering, uh, to, you know, these people that are basically power hungry tyrants, you know, I mean, I don't know. You said you're in, would you say you're in Texas? Is that right? No, Pennsylvania. Where, oh, you're in Pennsylvania. So I don't know what this, I know you got Dr. Oz running for Senate there, which I think is kind of comical, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's pretty fucked up here. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would imagine in Pennsylvania, depending on what party you are, maybe in Philly and in Pittsburgh, it might be pretty, I don't know what the politics are there, but probably out in the country, it's, I'm thinking, you know, these people that are coal, coal steel workers and coal miners are saying, screw this crap. I mean, that'd be yeah. my, my, my guess. Well, 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 look, you have like Philly, Pittsburgh, and then everywhere else is like hills and trees. Everywhere I've gone since pretty much uh, July of last year, kind of when everybody knew what was going on, it's pretty much like people want to go back to normal. Now that they announced the Omicron or, you know, whatever, um, there, there's <laughs> there's a few more people wearing masks. But I, like I said, I don't think people really have the appetite for it. And most of the people that I work with, blue collar people, they got vaccinated, but they're like, look, I, I'm not going to keep playing this game and we're not going to go run around wearing masks and we're not going to lock shit down anymore. We just want to move on with life. Yeah, no, I think, well, I think that's just a matter of doing it. You know, like I said, if there's a, 
you know, I mean, I, I, there's going to be a big disconnect between people who live out in the country. And unfortunately, like I said, the, the, the county, I'm, I'm next door to Seattle. Seattle's in King County. I'm in Snohomish County, which is one county over. And it's pretty rural. I mean, you got a lot of ranchers and farmers. And I know they had, they were in the news a while ago because there was a bunch of rioting going on, you know, last summer. And there was some 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 concern that there was going to be rioting and they were going to burn the town down in, in downtown Snohomish, which is this little cute little, you know, one street, main street, you know, a few nice shops and, you know, restaurants. And the whole town turned up armed to the teeth. I mean, there were people came out there like a thousand weapons and said, no, we're not doing it. so. You know, I mean, that area. And, you know, like I said, I have never once you know, walking in a grocery store, you know, you got this, this little virtue signaling sign, which I disregard. I've never had anybody say a word to me. Maybe, maybe being 6'5", 250 helps. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've never even had anybody look at me funny, you know, and I, you know, I, I you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm, some people, I'm, I guess it depends where you live. Some people go, you know, get off on screaming at people, but uh, so far it's been fine. I think that's, I think that's the experience of most people, because most people I've talked to say so they do it. No one, no one, no one gives them, a, no, no one gives them trouble, which is what we should, uh, you know, should just kind of stand up for ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. I had a uh, interview about uh, two weeks ago with a guy who uh, um, he worked for Allegheny County, which is the county that Pittsburgh's in, and they mandated the vaccine. He worked there for eleven years, and uh, he lost his job three weeks from fucking Christmas lost his job over the vaccine mandate. And I, I couldn't commend the guy enough. I'm like, dude, if more people were like you, this whole thing would be over before you even know it. Cause someone that's been somewhere for 11 years with two daughters and a wife at home, three weeks from Christmas. I mean, you're hurting at that time of year anyways, and you're willing to tell them not doing it. I, you know, hats off to you, brother. And I think a lot more people are going to start doing the same thing. And it's, it's coming for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful all this stuff can be put right legally and peacefully. I mean, that's my true hope. But I mean, you know, you know, I mean, you never know what's going to happen, you know. And I think hopefully with these 2022 midterm elections, uh, we'll dramatically change the the uh, philosophy, you know, that we do. I mean, although you know we have an executive branch that seems to disregard the other two branches, you know, this guy's thing. Uh, we, I'm going to put out this mandate and the courts shut it down and you just ignore the ignore the federal court courts like we don't have a three tiered, uh, you know, government system. You know, we all learned that and whatever, whatever we took sixth grade government, you know, you learn about the judiciary, legislature and the executive branch. And that's what the basis of our entire, uh, you know, system is based on. And we've got, you know, we've got a guy that just wants to just ignore that, you know, and these people that, uh, you know, they, they want to use an emergency. That's the thing, you know, they use emergency powers. Uh, you know, an emergency to, 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 you know, give themselves unlimited power. So they just keep making up new emergencies. Like, as you know, as you probably know, the climate crisis is coming next. And if, <laughs> yep. if, if, they, can't, if they can't get another virus out quick enough, um, then we're going to be dealing with um, climate change is racism. Climate change is a personal public health crisis. I mean, we're seeing already hints of people trying to make it that way. It's like, well, you know, climate change, people are worried about climate change is causing stress. I mean, I'm not worried. I mean, I don't know anybody, you know, they're saying these young people are worried about climate change is causing them to be depressed and stressed out. I think that's nonsense, quite honestly, but, uh, you know, we'll see that. And so people will start, you know, like you said, you've already got chip where they can put chips in your car that can tell you how many miles you drove. So the government can levy even more taxes on you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
anyway, it's, it's a lot of stuff to, to push against. And I, like I said, this is coming from a guy who had no interest in politics, you know, two or three years ago. I could care less, but this is just, and I think there's a lot of people like me that, that have kind of like, you know, we wanted to be left alone and you didn't leave us alone. And now we're pissed off and it's not kind of, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, like I said, this is not a one issue deal, as you probably know. I mean, after this pandemic, you're going to have the same people using some other excuse to 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 advance their, you know, their uh, tyrannical, you know, views or their socialistic tendencies or whatever they however they want to shape society. So we're all living in little cubicles, eating bugs and, uh, you know, and, and happy with nothing. Right. Yeah, they're, they're definitely pushing for it. And you're going to hear never ending cries about climate change once this is over, if it's ever over, or if they just decide to try and jam it down everybody's throat. Um, Sean, I've kept you for about an hour or so now. Um, it's kind of end on a good note. Um, what do you see good coming down the pipe and what do you got going on? Well, I mean, personally, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very uh, uh, optimistic about, you know, the company we're involved in with Rivero. I mean, we are about to uh, scale up pretty massively. So we become a full service, full service health organization. Uh, we're going to help people. We're going to get people better. Uh, we're, we're reversing disease. We're getting them off medications. We're changing people's lives. Uh, and we're, we're, we're we're returning strong people back to society. I mean, I think that's what we need. We need, you know, as, as you are dependent upon the system, if you're unhealthy and sick, you are helplessly dependent upon the system because you're scared, you're anxious, you know, you don't, you don't feel like you can do things on your own. But once you break free of that, you know, you break free of the healthcare system, you become stronger, both physically and mentally and spiritually. Um, then you become, you know, a, a truly a free person that can stand up and see this stuff and be willing to do these things. And so I think as we have more and more of those people, because what's right now, we're creating more and more of the opposite. You know, we have more people that are sick, more people that are, you know, sick physically, they are depressed, they're sick mentally, uh, they're dependent upon, uh, uh, you know, government handouts or government policies. They don't want to do anything. They're, they're, they've got a lot of inertia going on. You know, they're, they're just, like I said, they're complacent. They're content to, you know, particularly when you start with young kids, because young young people don't know anything. I mean, they, 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 they're used to, you know, the mom and dad feed them. And, you know, they're like, well, I can just keep doing that. I've never been challenged in my life. And if the government says, hey, you know, you can have a, you can have a 500 you know, square foot or a thousand square foot apartment. We'll give you UBI of, you know, a thousand bucks a month, you know, rent free. You can you can spend food on that. We'll give you some you know, you get a free subscription to, you know, internet and Netflix and you got your VR glasses so you can sit there and go into Mark Zuckerberg's meta, metaverse and hang out and be a stud in, in the fake universe, you know, yeah. and, and consume stuff. And, and uh, you know, that they're easy, it's easier to shape. And so you've got, like I said, these people have actually, you know, that's when you talk about these older generations, like this, this 80 year old guy who was, you know, Marine during, I don't know, I think he was just after probably Korean, Korean war, I'd imagine. But, um, you know, these guys have actually seen the experience of life and know that hard work can get you somewhere and not to not to depend on this. Because, you know, if you depend on the government, you're going to be sorely disappointed at some point, you know, and, and, and you know, it, it just makes you it just disincentivizes everybody. You know, I saw, you know, there's a, a funny little analogy or story with some college professor. I don't know if it's true or not, but he basically said, hey, look, the, the students were talking about socialism. So we're going to do socialism here. So. Uh, what we're going to do is um, we're all going to take a test and everybody's going to get the, the class average. 
you know, it doesn't matter what what you score individually, we all get the same grade. And so they they first took it first week, they took it, they got like a B minus. And what happened was the, the the people that got A's were pissed off because no one else tried, and so they didn't try the next time. And then it, then and then suddenly they were getting C's, and then finally they were they were all failing, you know, because they were like nobody wanted to work because there was no incentive. And uh, anyway. So anyway, I, I just had to say goodbye to my, oh, my you're good, you're good. walking out the door. But um, but yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, like I said, we're, we're in a situation where um, uh, it's, it, it's a true turn. Never in my lifetime can I remember anything as far. Never in my lifetime have, have I ever experienced this. You know, I mean, maybe I've been asleep the whole time, but I mean, I think it's pretty in your face. I mean, when you see people in Australia being dragged out of their home, and either forced vaccinated or dragged off into a quarantine camp because their crime was they knew somebody that tested positive for COVID-19 and they're negative themselves. You know, you've, you know, you've kind of jumped the shark that uh, something's crazy. And like I said, if you don't stand up and say something, then you are complicit and anything that happens, you know, you're going to have to say, you know, Hey, I, I, I just, you, know, you tell your kids or your grandkids, I didn't do anything. You know, you're, you're going to be embarrassed. And I think if you are the guy that says I stood up and fought, uh, hopefully we'll stand up and fight and we won't have to tell our grandkids why the world is so bad. Hopefully we can say, this is why it's good and why we should do this. But your point was, uh, you know, about younger people, you know, if you look at the revolutionary war, most of those guys that signed the declaration of independence were, you know, young guys, 18, 25. I mean, I think the oldest guy might've been in his forties. Uh, so it was, it's really a young man's game. And the fact that I'm, you know, I'm in my fifties, mid fifties, I'm about to turn 55 that I'm had that I have to sit there and say this. And this 81 year old Marine has to say this is kind of a sad reflection on the younger generation. Although I know there's some younger guys that are standing up, but we need more of them to do it, do it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I 100% agree. And like I said, I am optimistic that more and more people will start to stand up and just because it's like you said, it's so in your face that you can't deny it anymore. And I don't think a lot of people want to be political, but you know, this, the whole COVID pandemic has given people no choice, but to say, you know, either I want the vaccine mandates and apartheid state, or I don't. And, you know, I, I'm sincerely hoping that a lot of people say they don't. So, uh, Sean, where can everybody find you? And, uh, yeah, like I said, anything else going on you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, well, like I said, Rivera.com, I host a meeting every single morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time, you know, seven days a week, 365 days a year, unless I'm on a plane or something like that. But I'm, I'm generally, you know, there every day. So if you want to just hop in, you can sign up for free and we can have a discussion. I'm on social media, sort of, except when I get kicked <laughs> off. I'm, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm on, I've got an Instagram account. It's got about 200,000 people on that. That's Sean Baker, 1967, S-H-A-W-N-B-A-K-E-R, 1967. Um, I'm, I'm, I kind of constantly shadow man on there, I think. I mean, it's just kind of hilarious. And then I'm on Twitter again because I got I got permanently suspended from Twitter about six months ago, which is kind of comical. And then we got on, we went, we went went and made a new account, like sort of got a new IP address and did that. And I started building my account. And then for some weird reason, Twitter notified me like six months after the fact. They said, Oh, wait, we decided to unsuspend your original account. So I got back on that. So that's S Baker MD. I think the S and the B. And the MD are capitalized, so S Baker MD. Um, and so I get, you know, I, you know, I'm on there. And then YouTube, which is kind of funny, my YouTube channel has been growing pretty, pretty nicely. 
uh, although I'm suspended right now for two weeks. I think that suspension is up on like the 17th. And so um, <laughs> I've been suspended three times in the last, I think, four months. And, you know, I'm like, on the, I'm always on the verge of getting my channel canceled. So I don't know. I can't guarantee. I mean, I guess I just have to be very, very careful about what you say. You have to learn how to the new speak and the double speak or whatever, whatever the, you know, the, the, the ministry of information allows kind of craziness, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm on there. Sean Baker is just the channel. And uh, I usually get on there and uh, try to put a couple of videos, short videos. Like I usually do like three or four minute videos, a couple of them a day. And uh, people seem to seem to like that just to the point stuff. And so anyway, those are the major places that I can be found currently. Nice, Sean. Well, I think you're doing absolutely fantastic work. I think your community at Rivera is awesome, and I hope that continues to grow. I think that's definitely going to be very important in the coming years, especially if uh, things go drastically south. But um, I would love to talk to you again sometime. This is really cool, and it seems like uh, <laughs> you felt pretty good getting some stuff off your chest about some of the stuff that's going on. So uh, just know you have a seat here at Liberty and Health at any time. So uh, Well, like I said, it's it's nice to talk a little bit more candidly. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe this will get, you know, taken down. Who knows? We'll have to see, but anyway, I appreciate it. Oh, of course. Well, like I said, you have a seat here anytime. And I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy this. So, uh, until next time, everybody have a good one.